A sick person wishes for one thing. A healthy person wishes for everything. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks. Come from a different cloth. Y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state. We scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket. Took a leap of faith. I took a chance. Now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests. Now let's bring Matt. Hey, my friend, welcome to episode number 275 of the Decoding Success Podcast, top 1% globally ranked show. I'm your host, Matt Labrie, welcoming you here today with open arms as we are so excited to have you joining us. If it is your first time tuning in, welcome to our ever-growing community of high performers. And if you are one of our returning high-performing community members, welcome back. In this episode, we're going to be exploring a few things that have never been shared in the way the incredible gentleman that's joining us has shared them. Now, you just heard from him. Going to give him a proper introduction in just a little bit, but let me point out a few of these things. Number one, we're going to be discussing how to quiet your mind of negativity in a rather unique way, a way that I guarantee will get your mind to hush. We're going to be discussing how we're influencing the world, but how to ensure the influence we allow impacts us positively and not negatively. We're going to be diving into the formula for an optimal life of someone that has pushed himself and countless, and when I say countless, I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of people through his life-changing venture. On top of that, we're also going to be talking about the go-to pizza spot of our incredible guest here in Queens, New York, which is potentially debatable, but we're going to get into all of that. Our guest today, Joe DeSena, founder and CEO of Spartan, the world's leading endurance sports brand, someone that has demonstrated an entrepreneurial spirit in numerous capacities, a New York Times bestselling author, and honestly, so much more, which you're going to find out about in this episode. Before diving in, I want to remind you of one thing. You're listening to this for a reason. Open your heart, open your mind. I'm getting the chills just saying these words as I speak them to you. Soak in what you need. Share this episode with those in your life because they need it too. And without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Joe DeSena. Joe, welcome to Decoding Success. I know you are also on a mission of uncovering, you know, the keys and principles, the quote unquote secrets of success. So I'm really excited to have you here and we'll talk about all of this good stuff. Let's do it. I hear the accent. I have to go there right away. I'm born and raised in Queens. I hear a Queens accent. I know it. Where in Queens are you from? I'll, actually, can I take a guess? I'm going to give three potential places. I'm not this good, but let's see. I'm going to go either Ozone Park, Howard Beach, or I want to say Maspeth. You must have looked them up. Come on. You looked it up. No, no, no. I haven't. I haven't. I knew Queens. I mean, you could also hear it in the accent, but I didn't know that. Obviously, you can, know, you can kind of piece some stuff together when you talk about wise guys. We know where the wise guys live, you know, but- yeah, I was um, going to say all three of those neighborhoods. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm in Middle Village, so I'm right there. A lot of friends in Howard Beach and beyond, but I'm curious to learn what growing up in Queens gave you any sort of edge per se. You know, they say they make kings from Queens. Mm. Queens is definitely a place where you gain an edge. I wish my children, I wish our children were growing up there now. It's not the same as it was, but you know, a crazy place, a time where we didn't live on, you know, devices. We went outside and we um, negotiated with each other, played football, got picked or didn't get picked for teams. Saw fights going on at the like physical fights, crazy stuff. People disappearing and going to jail mm. that you just saw yesterday. 
all kinds of uh, business deals being done, whether they were shady or not. Everybody, everybody waking up at 5 a.m. and getting after it. So an amazing place to grow up in that time. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I agree. I agree with you. I'm curious. Did you go to public school or private school? I went to, I started in public school and in first grade, I got in a fight and my parents immediately put me into St. Helens in Howard Beach. And um, I made it in St. Helens. I made it to eighth grade. And then my mom found health and wellness at probably the only health food store on the entire East Coast in the 70s on Cross Bay Boulevard. And when she found that and she changed, uh, she gave up the raviolis and pizza for yoga meditation, became a vegan. And she it was not accepted in the neighborhood. Like nobody was accepting mm. that, right? Like New Park Pizza, <laughs> there wasn't New Park yo- Yoga. <laughs> so she moved us to Ithaca, New York. She, my dad and my mom got divorced. We moved to Ithaca, New York, much more forgiving, much more open-minded place that had a lot of hippies in it. The new way of life she had found. So then ninth grade or part of eighth grade, I was in Ithaca, New York, got in trouble there selling fireworks. I was importing fireworks from Queens to Ithaca and the margins were insane. I was, you know, back in Queens, I would sell a pack of firecrackers for, I don't know, 10 cents a pack. I think I was paying seven cents a pack or something like that. And maybe a little less. And then in Ithaca, I was able to sell them for a dollar a pack. I had the same cost structure. Mm -hmm. I just had to figure out a way to get them in my mom's car, my dad's car to get, you know, without them noticing and get them up to Ithaca. I was making a small fortune, but I got busted, got thrown out of school. And so my mom found another Catholic school an hour away called Notre Dame. And it was an hour drive. There were no buses. There was no way for me to get there. But she wanted to torture me to try to straighten me out. So she drove every day. Think about this. Think about it. You know, if you have children, you're listening. She drove an hour, right? She drove home an hour. She came back later in the day to get, like it was unbelievable, four hours a day of driving to get her son on the right track. But the last leg of that trip was like an extra 10 minutes. So rather than drive me all the way to the school, she found another kid who was near the highway that she could drop me off in the morning. I would wait and then jump on a bus Mm. with him to get to the school, Notre Dame in in Elmira, New York. That kid lived, his dad was a mortician. He lived in a funeral home. So every morning I had to wait in a funeral parlor and literally look at a dead body, a new dead body every couple of days. And it scared me straight. So I waved the white flag. I told my mother I'd be better. She let me go back to public school and I graduated Ithaca High School. Funeral parlor straightened me out. I was going to say a lot of questions. I'm really curious to learn first and foremost, what was the influence for you to start pursuing business, quote unquote, at such a young age? Like what, what did you see? What were you around? Yeah. Everybody back then was doing some sort of business. You were buying and selling or trading baseball cards. You were selling fire. Everybody sold fireworks, traded fireworks. You had all the wise guys, right? Doing business, had rolls of hundreds in their pot. Like, so every discussion at every table every day was about business or hustling or figuring out, you know, somebody did a study. They were trying to figure out why all these amazing marathon runners come from this one town in Africa. And they figured out it's the air or it's the water or it's the food. It's no, what it is, is there's a guy that was a fast marathon runner. He won a marathon, got some money, bought a Mercedes, got the house on the hill. And every one of the kids, the generations afterwards, look up at that house, see that car. And they're like, I want to fucking, I want that. Right. And so when you ask about the influence, it was the guys had the nice houses, the nice cars. They were in business, clean or dirty. And that's what you want as a kid. You know, how do I get that? 
right? Yeah. I mean, that's our whole structure as a country. That's the way it works. That's why, you know, socialism, communism has a tough time because we desire to better ourselves. Maybe we get it wrong on what bettering means, but yeah, I was chasing that dream. So I'm curious to learn from your experience, obviously someone that has been influenced as we all have. What's your advice for someone listening to this to take that influence and use it in a positive way versus, you know, taking it and really fucking shit up, like going down a bad path? You mean the influence that I received as a kid that, you know, that I got excited about? But, or well, just in no. general, right? Just in general. I mean, we get influenced all the time. Every day. I mean, I know I do, right? I mean, I'm pretty gullible in a sense. Uh, it's just society, culture, all of that. But you know, for instance, we're talking external examples here. We see the house on the hill. We see, you know, this guy driving the Mercedes in Africa. We see this person wearing the watch we want. Yeah, it's great. I believe that we should go after those things in life, right? We should continue to better ourselves and pursue that greatness that is within. But from an external perspective, when we chase that stuff, maybe there's an opportunity that comes about and it's like, hey, you know, you can sell fucking cocaine and get there quicker or whatever the case is. So what I'm asking- I mean, listen, yeah. at that age, there was something really sexy when I saw Scarface and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Al Pacino, there was something really sexy about it. And I can't say the thoughts didn't cross my mind of who didn't want to be that guy. I was really lucky in that I had good stabilizing influences around me, mom and dad, that, and you're not listening to them, no kid does, that were trying to keep me straight. And then I happen to see, I happen to see the scene in The Godfather with Marlon Brando where, you know, he tells Sonny, like, we don't do drugs. Mm -hmm. We don't touch them. We don't get involved with them. And there was something really powerful about seeing that movie. And it just... It was like, I don't, that's a weak thing to do. And I didn't want to be weak. And alcohol was a weak thing to do. But what if I didn't have that? How would I have known, right? Like, so that's your question. Like kids wouldn't know. So hopefully they've got a coach, mm. right? Hopefully they're in some sport. I didn't have that. I had mom and dad, but like, hopefully they have somebody around them that's saying, you don't do that, right? Because that house on the hill, that Mercedes, that those are magnets, mm. big time magnets to pull you in the wrong direction. I mean, my mom became like a monk. I mean, she's constantly telling me money doesn't matter, material things don't matter. But but I'm trying to reconcile that with like chasing material things and like I, you know what I mean? It was a tough. Yeah. And later in life, in my you know late twenties, maybe early thirties, it was like, oh, okay, I got it. She was right. She all that stuff is superficial. So let me ask you this. But, but I didn't know that. Right. Would you have listened to mom and dad if mom and dad had the house on the hill? I mean, that's, I definitely gave a lot less weight to my mother because she was broke, mm. right? She was barely surviving after the divorce. And uh, what did she know? Dad had some money. He had a nice house for a while, but then things went upside down for him. But it's still mom and dad right. and it's white noise. And they've been trying to guide me like I, I'm a dad now. You know, my wife and I just, it's white noise to the kids. And so, like I said, it's got to be a coach. It's got to be an elder. It's got to be somebody that connects with them and puts them on the right path. The good news is Queens gave me the hustle, mm. right? The, good, the other good news is I, I didn't trip and go down the wrong road, although I certainly tried. And thank God the universe saved me. I can't even imagine in tougher neighborhoods, right? East New York at that time, like, you know, think of a household where a kid's got one parent and the parent doesn't even know the right, like, you don't have a chance. Right. No, I agree. You don't have a chance. I agree. You know? Why do you think the universe 
saved you per se, as you just mentioned? Like, what was it that said, you know what, this is why? I don't know. I, again, I, again, I think I had, you know, even, even though folks around me were doing some bad, I just had some elders that I was a really hard worker like that. Mm -hmm. I picked that drive up somewhere, got it genetically from my dad. I don't know what it was, but I, I can't even imagine running into a kid. Actually, I was thinking about it today. My little daughter, our smallest daughter, who's 10, she has that thing. Like of, my four, of our four children, it would not be weird if I came home today and said, hey, Alex, Alexandra, Alex got thrown out of school today because she was selling fireworks. <laughs> like that would make sense, you yeah. know? So I had this edge to me, this hard work, at, but very nice. And I had red hair, just like my little daughter's really cute. And um, I think everybody just wanted to just keep this thing that's such a hard worker on the tracks, you know? Yeah. Because I didn't have an attitude. I respected elders. I think they respected how hard I, I just loved to work. And that's, you just don't bump into that very often. And so as an elder, I think we, you or me, right, you wouldn't want that wasted. You want to bottle that up somehow. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that stuff does get passed down, right? I mean, you're not my grandfather's age by any means, but I had him on the show and we were having a conversation and he had a really hard time getting a job because of his last name, which is Messina, an Italian last name. And I really feel like it gets passed down because they had to work so hard back in the day. And I don't know, obviously, your family origin, but I could imagine it's something similar where, you know, your grandparents or whomever come from Europe, Italy, Ireland, wherever it is. And they really got to bust their fucking ass to be able to keep a job. Otherwise, it's going to be handed to a Jewish person or this person or that person. And I think that gets passed down. Yeah, I tell you what, and I think one of the biggest problems in this country, there's a lot of great things about the country, but or for that matter, any country that moves forward and, you know, creates so much abundance like we have is you lose that work ethic, that drive that that Italian immigrant, that Polish immigrant that you describe, that grind, I would say was a gift, not like I'm glad that Jewish guy, whoever it was, took that job because because I, I believe that busyness, that work every day, that grind, that keeps you from being depressed. Yeah. That keeps you like there's so much benefit, even if you're not making much money, but you're just working every day and you got like a ninth. I remember I had this business in Queens and I would hire these local kids. They came from, you know, families that had made some money, Italian families, whatever. And I remember like hearing about depression or whatever. And I was like, who the fuck has time to be depressed? Like, I'm so busy trying to like make payroll and make this like, and so then I started studying this idea, like in the first world, there's a lot of depression. There's a half a million psychologists. In the third world, there's not a lot of depression. There's not a lot of psychology because the third world, like you're fighting for milk right. every day. So not to go down the rabbit hole, but like I wish we all had to grind more and we all had a lot less time doing nothing. Is it possible for all of us to grind at that level? And the reason I'm asking it, let me preface it with this, Joe. I feel like the reason that might not be possible is because the world needs people at different levels to function. And I feel like if we're all grinding, those bottom levels might may no longer exist, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, anybody out there should read Atlas Shrugged, one of the greatest books of all time. And so my dream would be, after you read the book, you'll get it, to live in a place where everybody's grinding. They could be at different levels. Mm. Uh, some can be grinding with a white collar, some with a blue collar, some with no collar. But I don't know. I think we'd all be better off individually and collectively if we were all grinding. I think the root of the problem start when you've got like 
too much time mm. to think, to get depressed, to get in your own head, to lose motivation, to not be disciplined, like just a shit show. Find the grind somewhere. Yeah. I love that. I know you were young when you had mentioned this, eighth grade or so, elementary school. You mentioned essentially spending time in a funeral home, not something anyone would probably want to do. I mean, I, I really dread even having to go. Did that ever change your view on death? Well, mom died at a young age. Dad died at a, at a, at a slightly older but young age. People around me died or went to jail for 25 years, you know? And so, I don't know, very early on, and then ninth grade, every day being at that funeral parlor, I think it changed my view on life. Okay. Forget about death. Like death, death I started to really understand was coming. There was no way to stop it. And it became apparent really early on, maybe one of those Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays sitting in that funeral parlor, mm. waiting for my friend to come down, trying to remember the name of the funeral parlor. But it started, you know, got me thinking, like I got to squeeze every ounce of life out of the time we have. I got to just, I don't want to get to the end and say I could have done more, mm. you know? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's get the most out of it. Like, like you remember when we were kids, we used to put quarters in to play games. I don't know. Maybe you're too young for that. But like you get to put another quarter in if you die. But like we don't get to put another quarter in. Like, you know, so I get that. It leads me to ask you this. And I'm going to ask it two ways because I don't know which one is quote unquote right. The first question that I wanted to ask you is knowing that death is coming how do you prepare for it? But maybe the better way to ask that is, how do you ensure that you're living every day? Well, I love this idea of lifespan, which I've changed to health span. Imagine, you know, we're born, we're healthy, knock on wood, and then we live our life and we drop dead versus we're born, we live, and the last 15 years are in and out of hospitals and we're not so healthy. Mm. So I would, you know, I would argue we've got to take care of ourselves first and foremost. You want to be a high performer. You want to be successful. However, you want to do all these things. The number one thing to do before any of that is take care of yourself. I don't know if you mentioned this or somebody earlier before I got on this call with you was saying something to me. Might have been you. I'm clearly getting old. Yeah, we just spoke about it, about influence. And so not only do we get influence from that house on the hill in that car, but we also get influence from advertisers and marketers. Like, right. like one of the negatives that comes out of you know, democracy capitalism is guys like you and I, girls too, get to create businesses and get to market those businesses. And we get sucked into believing the company's bullshit. Mm. Like Spartan's bullshit is like, you know, barbed wire and mud and fire is going to be better for you. It actually is. I believe it, you know, to the core of me. But Marlboro cigarettes was able to convince us that Marlboro cigarettes would be better. And we'd look like the Marlboro man. And you know, companies that sell wine and alcohol are able to convince us that, you know, one, one glass a day or drinking responsibly is health. No, it's not. And, and go down the list of shit that we are sold. I don't know where I'm going with this, but if you want to live an optimal life and you want to get the most out of life, you're going to, especially in this world with social media, we are being fed exactly what we want to see and what, you know, what we want to believe. Like if we're, if I was a smoker, you were a smoker, we're getting fed in our devices information that convinces us that our decision is correct. Smoking is good, mm -hmm. right? Coffee is good. Alcohol is good. Sleeping in in the morning is good. Not going to work is good because those are things we, we want to believe and social media companies are smart enough to feed, smart enough to feed us what, what and influence us uh, with things that we want to believe. And before you know it, you're fat, you're sick, you're unhealthy, you're depressed, 
and it's your own fault. Yeah. It's our fault. So I, I went down a, a major rabbit hole. I apologize, but don't apologize uh, whatsoever. We're having conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. right before this call, you had mentioned that you just got tested for, you know, by a Tour de France scientist. And he said that your results are essentially like a 35 year old athlete. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you said 35. What do you credit that to? Like, break that down for me. What does that look like so that someone listening to this can walk away and start applying some of that in some capacity to their life? It is so, I tell you what I learned. I got tested. I mean, I, I always feel great. I sweat every day. I'll, we'll go through a little routine, but it's nice to get a scientist that has, you know, an hour to kill and he's drawing blood and he's, and he's looking at my numbers and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so it's nice to get that you know, feedback from folks that are looking at data because you don't, you don't know if what you're doing is right. And I've always been a believer in, in consistency. Like we're going to, we're going to work out every day, uh, COVID, no COVID, sick, unsick birthday party the night before no birthday party. We're going to work out every day. It's the price you have to pay to live that day. Right. And maybe I got that from my mom. Maybe it's my own psychosis. I don't know what it is, but we're working out every day and we're breaking a sweat. We're taking a cold shower every day. Right now, cold is in vogue, but I've been doing it again since I'm 12 years old because I needed to know if I was tough enough. Mm. Uh, a lot of people going to jail and I just thought, well, if I could handle a cold shower, <laughs> that was the reason I did it. And then you get addicted to it because you feel really good coming out of the cold shower. It releases so much dopamine, but I didn't go that far back then when I was in my teens. So every day I'm breaking a sweat, every day I'm taking a cold shower. I try to eat more salad than the other stuff that slips in. It slips in in all our diets, but but salad comes first. And I don't care if you're on the you're on this listening to this or watching it. And you're like, oh, paleo, this that, or whatever. You want to eat some meat? You want to eat some fish? You don't want to eat meat? You want to eat tofu? It's great. One thing we could all hold hands on and all agree on is more salad, less processed, and then you choose your protein source, whatever you want. Yeah. So more salad, cold showers, sweat every day. I'm an early riser. I like to go to bed early. And then I try to only eat between like nine and six. I try not to eat outside those windows. Again, this was something my mother was into in the set. Her argument was like, your stomach is always open for business. And it's been open for business since you were born, Joe. She called me Joseph. It needs a break. You got to give your stomach a break. And when it's explained that way, it's like, oh, that's logical. So, so anyway, you do those simple things, you get tested and you find out you're healthy. Absolutely. I, just, I have a buddy of mine who just found out who, who would, if he was on this podcast with me, he'd be an incredible guest, a good buddy of mine. He disagreed with me on a lot of this. He disagreed because his feeling was like, we shouldn't be chasing six packs. We've got to have some fun in life. It's okay to go to Hooters and have chicken wings. It's okay to eat pizza. We work hard. And we need to play hard too. And, um, you know, five days ago, he found out he has cancer. Oh, shit. You know, a lot of people have cancer. My mom had cancer and she was eating as healthy as can be. So, like, there's no guarantee that you're going to avoid these bad things from happening. But like the Tour de France scientist just said to me, he said, look, you've got these genes. They are what they are. But there is something called epigenetics where you can turn certain genes on and shut certain genes off. So you're giving it the best shot you can that those genes don't get expressed in negative way, you know, bad things don't happen, but there's no guarantee. And so some people might throw their arms up and say, well, then what the hell's the point? I'm just going to eat ice cream and cookies. And I can guarantee you, because I'm watching it happen real time. I watched it happen to my mother. I watched it happen to my father. I guarantee you, whoever's listening to this, whoever's watching it, God forbid when that happens, you remember Joe, you remember this conversation and you're like, fuck, I should have ate more salad. I should have sweat more. 
I should have taken more cold showers. A sick person wishes for one thing. A healthy person wishes for everything. Mm. So like, just remember that. I always remember that. And that's, how, that's what gets me through those, those, that daily commitment, that daily grind is like, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to end up like one of those dead people in that funeral parlor. I don't want to end up like my mom or my dad. I have to ask. And by, and by the way, if, if you want to be a high performer, you want to run a company, you want like you're basically saying, if you want to run a business, you want to be a high performer, you're basically saying, I want to be a gold medalist. I want to be an Olympian. And I want to be a gold medalist. That's what you're saying. And so what gold medalist do you know that doesn't take care of themselves? None. Right. So how do you possibly think you could do, how do you think you could play at a high level in business or at your career, how do you? How could you play at a high level if you're not taking care of yourself? You can't. No, oh, it's crucial. It's important. You know, a few times you mentioned that you know people around you have been arrested, right? And they're behind bars, whether it be how, no matter how long it is, they're behind bars physically. But there's people in the free world where we are right now that are also behind bars, but mentally. I'm curious, how do you get out of your own way and unlock yourself and just be free? Well, number one, it starts with health and wellness, like we spoke about. The human body is a swimming pool. It's 13 gallons of water. It's got pumps and filters, just like a swimming pool. I know a lot about swimming pools because I used to clean 700 of them, literally. <laughs> swimming pools are 20,000 gallons. They have pumps and filters. If you turn the pump off and you don't clean the filter and you throw a bunch of French fries and negative thoughts and coffee and you name it into the pool, 20,000 gallons, it turns green. And same thing happens with this 13 gallon swimming pool, our body. We don't run our pump and we don't clean our filters and we put a bunch of shit in it, it turns green. And so you wonder why we have negative thoughts, why we're behind bars in our own mind. Well, you're not running the pump, you're not cleaning the filters, you're not eating healthy. What do you expect? Right. What the fuck do you expect? So it starts with taking care of yourself. And then whenever you get a negative thought, it is so easy to fix. It's so easy. If you knock out 30 burpees every time you have a negative thought, I promise you, you'll stop having negative thoughts. <laughs> it's as simple as burpees. That's it. Or, or a cold shower or anything fucking hard. There's nothing in this world you can't walk off. You just fucking do, you do the work. You got a negative thought, you do something hard. You get another negative thought, you do something hard. Before you know it, your brain's like, this motherfucker's crazy. Stop with the negative thoughts, would you? Because this is hard. What made you find that out? I didn't have a lot of negative thoughts. And folks around me that did have negative thoughts, I found that they were just weren't busy. We talked about it before. Right. They just weren't doing the work. And why could it be that I don't have negative thoughts? Like, oh, it's because I'm always doing something. Mm. And, and when I did get in my own mind, when something like COVID hits and it crushes my business, our business, or, or something negative happened to little Alex, my daughter, I told you before, it's another crazy story. Like, go for a run, climb stairs, knock out 300 burpees. And before you know it, your brain is flooded with chemicals and whatever that thing was is no longer in your head. Right. I'm going to have to adopt that. I mean, I have negative thoughts. I've never done that before. <laughs> I promise you, our brains want to avoid discomfort at all costs. So if you have negative thoughts and it's uncomfortable for your brain, you give it something worse. Yeah. Have the other thing is you should name your brain. So mm. so come up with a name, call your brain uh, Frank in, in our example. And when you when Frank gives you a negative thought, discuss it with Frank. Say, Frank, we talk, you know, we went through this. It turns out it's actually not as bad as we said. And if that negative thought pops in your head again, say, Frank, look, we already went through this, but if you're going to keep doing this, we'll do another 30 burpees. <laughs> <laughs> so you either stop Frank or I'm going to burpee you to death. That is powerful. I I've never heard that before. I mean, I've done, I don't know, 300 of these and that is, that is <laughs> such a powerful way to, to turn off those negative thoughts. Definitely something I'm going to be doing. I'll tell you that. And I want to ask you this, Joe. I mean, You've given us a ton of advice. 
about your life, your upbringing, all of that. How would my life or anyone's life be different if we know what you know? Well, if you knew what I know, you'd realize the power of grinding every day. But Joe, you should stop and smell the roses. Somebody's got to water the roses. Somebody has to fertilize the roses. Somebody has to trim the roses. If everybody's smelling the roses, there's no fucking roses. So <laughs> I'm just telling you, I know that grinding and working is so much better for yourself, your family, the collective. You'd be better. If you were serious about health and wellness the way I described, you'd be happier. You'd be. Ha By the way, I've had 10 million people come out and do a Spartan or a Tough. 10 million people come out and do one of these races. Not 10, 10 fucking million. And the emails I get on a daily basis, because then they know what I know, is I'm back with my husband, I'm back with my wife, I no longer do drugs, I stopped drinking, I lost 40 pounds, I was going to kill myself, but Spartan saved my life. So don't take it from me, take it from the 10 million. When you do hard shit and you're committed to it, and you're not sitting around and lazy and watching Netflix and eating a bunch of shit food, your life is better, period, end of story. What's keeping you going? Like wh why, and I, I understand that you don't wanna be still, you wanna keep grinding, I get that whole point of it, but like, what is it in you that just keeps you going with Spartan, with Tough Mudder, whatever it is that you do have going on, like what is pushing you still? Well, we all have to have purpose, what's the reason, right? When we think back to when I was a kid, my purpose was, was I tough enough? I needed to know if I was tough enough, right? The cold showers, I carry rocks around the yep. neighborhood. I want to see if I could sell fireworks. Later in life, I worked on Wall Street. You know, could I make money? I wanted to make money. Was I smart enough to make money? So that became my purpose. And then after I made, you know, some money, it was like, I want to do something that like gives back. And I stumbled upon this and I get these emails and these messages and these hugs. And I'm like, oh my God, who gets to do this? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even imagine if, if I was working for like Philip Morris or like, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton and selling handbags or like, who gets to do this? I get to change people's lives and they thank me. Yeah. You know, this is my dream. Come I wish, by the way, I wish the Department of Defense would just pay me to do this and it would be my job instead of my business. I just wish <laughs> I can collect a salary and I could just do this for the whole world because it's so powerful. It's so awesome. I love that. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? I wish more people would ask me, you know, how do I start? Okay. What does that mean uh, exactly? I think, you know, well, I found out yesterday, I think 66% of the country is not exercising. Okay. So whatever, over 200 million people are not exercising. And if you ask them, if you dove into it, they'd say, well, I don't know where to start or I don't know what to... And so I wish people would ask that question. And I think they're afraid to ask that question because they don't want the answer. Mm. The answer is like, just start. Yeah. Like walk a mile, you know, do as many push-ups as sloppy as you can. Like just start. But I don't think people really want the answer. So I wish we don't see it country, you know, our health, like it's an absolute disaster. Mm. We don't, we just don't see it because everybody's growing in size around us in slow motion. And so it's kind of like if you're around a kid that's growing, you don't see him growing or her growing. But if you're away from them and then you come back, I lived overseas for a while. My family and I lived overseas. When we came back, it was like clear as day. Oh my God. Go into a Walmart, go into a Walmart and go look around. I get that. It's funny. You kind of just beat me to it. I was going to ask you, what's the difference? Like, wh what is it exactly that has, for instance, Europeans, right? You go to a beach in the south of France, you go to a beach somewhere in Europe, you go to a beach here. There's a really big difference. And I'm not, I, I get it. Like people have their own shit going on, but I'm just curious, like, what is it from a societal perspective? That's such a fucking difference health wise. Shitty food, really, really shitty food. Somehow we allow, you know, we were optimizing as a country, as a government, we were optimizing for low, potentially low food supply. 
We want an abundance of cheap food and we pulled that off, but we got an abundance of cheap food. Yeah. And, and so food supply sucks. Take PE out of the schools, have a really competitive environment for sports. And so you leave 90% of the kids out of those sports because they don't feel like they can play hockey well enough or basketball, whatever. So then they have nothing. You somehow celebrate the latest fucking craze is celebrating folks that are overweight and unhealthy. Let's start put. let's be inclusive and throw them on the cover of magazines. That's genius. So we're celebrating that. And now the American Pediatrics Association, I think they came out last week and they said, uh, it's genetic. When somebody's overweight, it's genetic and it's okay to give kids uh, drugs or and or surgery regarding obesity. So complete lack of, I would say, integrity and knowledge around like the, or just fucking, I don't even, I, you can't, I can't even explain that one. That's just ridiculous. Like, like if you, if I had one wish and I could be president for a moment, just a moment, I don't even want four years. I don't even need a year, just a moment. Everybody would wake up. It would be mandatory lights up at 5am. Everybody would do, they drink like, I don't know, a liter of water upon waking. If they don't, they get shot in the street. They do 300 burpees. If they don't, they get shot in the street. They eat more salad. If they don't, they get shot in the street. Very quickly, you'd have a very healthy country. And you'd, by the way, you tax the shit out of all the sugar and the garbage and the fucking vaping and like tax the shit out of that. Take the revenue earned from that and let's put healthy food in all the neighborhoods that, that don't have access to healthy food. We'll just, we'll just subsidize that but mandate it. And so anybody listening or watching is going to say, oh my God, Joe's crazy. This country's all about freedom. And my answer to that would be, we can't handle the freedom. Mm -hmm. We can't handle the freedom of choice. We end up drinking Slurpees, drinking ourselves to death with alcohol, smoke. I saw one yesterday. I'm sorry, I get really passionate about all this stuff, but like I saw one yesterday, it said, um, what was it? Some I forget the, uh, something about like you could smoke pot and work out some new program. Like everybody gets stoned and worked out and works out together. And I thought, what planet am I? on <laughs> what fucking planet am i on no, i get that i get that it's it's a really freaking interesting conversation topic at least and why do we become a slave to our pleasures and how do we reverse that right we're talking about sugar i mean i'm not gonna lie i, I like some reese's peanut butter cups you know I, I fucking like that shit but i also know firsthand when it's right and wrong you know and most of the time it's wrong to have it for me at least why do you we want to be beat it i would so love easy, to so it. easy to beat it you could eat as many as you want. You get one after 30 burpees. Do another 30 burpees, you get two. Another 30 burpees, you get three. Very quickly, your brain's not going to want Reese's peanut butter cups anymore. Going back to the negative thoughts and the burpees. That's it. Yeah. Burpees suck. So the reason we're a slave to our pleasure is, again, our brain was designed whatever, million year, literally a million years ago. It's it's like old hardware. It's like It's like older than the, the old IBM and Apple computer, the original versions, right? And this old hardware was designed to protect us from threats, from cold weather, from lions, from you know, running out of food, whatever it may be. And so the brain is always, and it requires a lot of energy to operate this, this old computer we have. And so the brain is like, whoa, 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 don't do that. It's going to expend too much energy and there's risk. Oh, ooh, don't do that. Expend too much energy. So you wake up early in the morning with every good intention, let's say to work out or to get some big things within your job done. And the brain is like, well, before we do that, why don't we have some coffee? Why don't we have a Reese's peanut butter cup? Mm. Why don't we read the, uh, check out social media? And the brain, it's doing its job. It's just keeping you away from that potential threat. You have to reverse it and you have to let the brain know. You gotta let Frank know that it's actually worse if you don't do the things we committed to. It's a worse outcome. I've been able to do that. Like not getting the workout in 
is a disaster for me. One, I make sure I tell everybody publicly that I do this every day. So if I don't do it, I'm a fraud and that hurts. I like that approach. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a fraud, right? And I tell myself and everybody around me how good it feels and how shitty I, like I created a narrative where Frank is more upset if we don't do the things we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so you got to basically beat Frank up and let Frank know you could have Frank, if you want those Reese's peanut butter cups, we'll give them to you. No problem. You got unlimited supply, but we got to do burpees for him. Pretty soon, Frank's going to stop asking for Reese's peanut butter cups. I hear that. I definitely hear that. Joe, I love this. I only have you for a couple more minutes. So I want to take this opportunity to let everyone know that in the show notes of this episode, you can find Joe's socials, websites, books, all of that good stuff. Anything else that we should let people know about? Any race, anywhere in the world that you want to do, Spartan, Tough Mudder, check out Project 7, Spartan Project 7. Check that out. Those are my crazy races. Anyone you want to do, just commit in the next week. I'll give you some free entries. That's fine. Where are you physically located right now? Queens, Queens, New York. You're in Queens. So here's what I want you to do. Let's go to the winter death race. I think it's February 12th. It's that Saturday around February 11th, February 12th. If you can get away, I want you to come up to the winter death race to my farm, be my guest and watch this whole thing go down. And you could, you could run a podcast. All the people that quit, everybody that quits the race could come in and do a podcast with you. It'd be awesome. That would be fucking awesome. All right. I I need to look at the calendar. I'll be in touch with the team for sure. That would be freaking awesome. I got a beautiful farm. We're going to just torture people for like 40 hours. You got to come up. It'll be great. I'm going to have to check this out. I love that. I've never done a Spartan race before, Joe. I'm an um, athlete. Well, I'm, a, gonna I'm get a former athlete, by the way. I mean, I, I played baseball and basketball at pretty high level. Basketball program, nationally ranked program. Carmelo Anthony's son's a part of it right now. So the, there's some talent, but uh, I fucking hate running. I do it because I hate it, but I've never done a Spartan race. Well, you're, I'm, I'm going to suck you into our world and it's very addictive, especially if you have deep down inside lurking that competitive nature, which you must if you're an athlete. So I'm going to reinvigorate that that whole thing, dust the cobwebs off. You're going to put your cleats back on. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to ask you one last question. I know I need to let you go. I want to respect yeah. your time here. This is one of my favorite questions to ask to end the show because you, I mean, I, I got the chills, right? This was a fantastic conversation. I'm really grateful for it. So I want to express that first and foremost. But if Joe, he lives to whatever year he wants to live, right? You 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 reach whatever, whatever year that is. You know, I I know you take health seriously, so it might be like 150, but you you make it there. You accomplish all you want to accomplish in business. You impact as many people as you want to impact through that business, your podcast, your books, all of that. You accomplish it all, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. Now, I'm not saying you know how you want to be remembered, right? which is a great man, I'm sure. What's the piece of advice that would be written on your tombstone? Earn your breakfast. Earn your breakfast. And what does that mean exactly? Yeah. You got to get a workout in. You got to sweat before breakfast. Earn your breakfast. Earn your breakfast. I love that. Joe, this was incredible. Expressing gratitude again. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm going to make sure, like I said earlier, in the show notes, websites, socials, books, programs, all of that good stuff will be there. Thank you so much, Joe. You're welcome. I want you in Vermont in two weeks. I appreciate it. I'm going to try try my best to make it happen. I appreciate it. I promise you it'll be the best weekend of your life. I I love that. I love that. This is going to be cool. Let me check this out and I'll be in touch with the team for sure. You have just tuned into the top 1% globally ranked podcast, Decoding Success, episode number 275, featuring our friend Joe DeSena. As mentioned earlier, there is a reason you were listening to this conversation today. You could have been doing anything in this world. You could have been scrolling your phone, texting your friends on Netflix, listening to music, listening to another podcast, but you were here listening to this one. There's a reason, and there's a reason you're still listening to this episode. 
There's something within it that you need and or needed. And there's something within the people in your life may need. So it is your duty, your calling to bless them with the light by sharing this episode with them. Furthermore, you could check out Joe in the show notes of this episode. You're going to be able to find his socials, websites, books, podcasts, all of that good stuff to get connected and to stay connected as he pursues his life mission. Once more, you're here for a reason. Just keep that in mind. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.